Hey, this is your name, your name, your name. And uh, they say it ain't me. Have their man. Jets got themselves a great Robert Sala. Robert Sala. Talk about all gas, no break, the great one. We're not talking about effort on the field. We're talking about the process at which we do things. I'm not going to lie to you. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Keep your foot on the pedal. There's no way I'm not going to have enthusiasm on the sideline. Hey, own this rep. Own this rep. The New York Jets. can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Westchester County, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I am joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host, none other than the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris. Yeah. You hear that? <laughs> Try Let's roll. Let's if you don't Triumph. know... The song, The Triumph, is on underneath us right now, the Wu-Tang Classic. Before we get to this huge W, let's introduce the number one high school coach in the nation today. You know him, you love him. Cousin Sammy in the building. What's up, Sammy? Jet fans, what's going on? Everybody. Sammy, I believe believe last week, Sammy, you predicted a Jet W. Am I wrong? Oh, I called it. I think you predicted a Jet W, Sammy. So I got to give you, first I want to start, I want to start the pot off by giving you your props. I think a lot of people thought the Jets were going to get waxed last week. Not in, not even that many people thought like me and Mike thought, which is that I thought we'd play well, Sam. You know, I said I thought our defense would keep us in. I thought we played good, lose a close one. Instead, the Jets played good and put the smack down on the Packers, guys. There's no other way to say it. Now, I know they struggled in the first half. It was 3-3 at halftime. Took a while to get the offense going. We kind of got going there with Brees Hall in the second half. Even in the first half, Brees Hall was most of the offense, guys. 3-3, we got the touchdown, 10-3. I know we were able to go 17-3 on that pump block. Special teams coming up huge. I know Zach didn't do too much as far as the numbers go, but I think the story coming out of that game, guys, is a couple things. One of them, obviously, is Brees Hall. And we're going to get to Sammy first because me and Mike were able to talk about this right after the game. Brees Hall, I think Sammy is, is the number one, um, I don't know, item on Jets, Jets fans' minds. The number one thing Jets fans are talking about coming out of that game, him. And I think as well as the defense, which the first few games we weren't sure what the deal was. But these last three games, especially the last two, Sammy, it seems like this defense has really stepped up. And it seems like they might be legit. Yeah, I mean, let's start with Brees. Um that zone blocking scheme that we have for Brees, he reminds me a lot of like, I'm, I'm sure people talk about it a lot, but like LT, Le'Veon Bell, like he's got this tremendous amount of patience, but he's so explosive in and out of his breaks and, and getting downhill. Um, I mean, there were a few plays that if you watch the game, he's he's dead to rights in the backfield. There's a guy going A gap, guy coming C gap, and he breaks one, stiff arms another, and then outruns the corner and still gets two or three yards, right? And then he gets these big clips of yards. You could see his breakaway speed, the ability to get downhill. This guy is the real deal, and he's doing it on not a lot of carries, right? Which I think is super important. Yeah, yeah. What do you have? 18 carries and 110 yards last week. Uh, the week before that, he's only 15 carries, still another 100 yards. So he's doing it on minimal carries. And I think the big thing is that defense. Um, You see the defensive line finally showing up to play football the past two weeks um, and just dominating in the trenches. Um, And that's why you come out of there with those wins, because we're winning the line of scrimmage 
And it doesn't matter how good or bad Zach plays. If he can just manage the game and we have a solid run game and we win that battle in the trenches, we can win potentially six out of the next however many games left in the season. Yeah, I know, Jet fans, we want to live in the moment, right? You want to live in the moment. That's what we're always people tell you to do. We just took this W, relish it, appreciate it, which we're doing, okay? But allow yourselves for a moment, Jet fans. Close your eyes. Allow yourselves to dream, guys. You know why? Because next week we play the Broncos. I'm not getting ahead of myself here. I think we can win that game. That could be five and two. The week after that, we play the Patriots, right? I mean, that game as well um, is a game, I think, heading into it. Are people thinking the Jets are going to be outmatched by the Patriots? Maybe historically, but I think on paper this year we match up well and could take a W. That could be six and two. Okay, now you play. Now you play that games. You got you, you. You know you have a good chunk of the season left. But I really think the Jets are putting themselves in a position where if they were six and two, 10, 11 wins isn't even out of the question. But let's not get too crazy, Mike. Mike, let me get to you and ask you real quick about this game. We just talked about Brees Hall. I want to hear what you got to say about him, Mike, after this game. But also the defensive line and especially Quinn and Williams, who you heard the announcers during the game, Mike, kind of giving him more love than I've ever heard before. Talking about how he's a guy that could play at that Aaron Donald level sometimes. And he's one of the more dominating defensive tackles. Maybe people don't know about, etc. Came out in this game, Mike had three QB hits, two sacks, five tackles. He disrupted the game the whole entire the whole entire day, Mike. Is this the type of day in the type of game you've been waiting on for Quinn for a long time? Yeah, this was a career game for Quinn and Williams. This was representative of our expectations taking him with the number three overall pick um he was a a menace and if you go back to his rookie year second year being a defensive tackle and having success is difficult for young players Uh, that's a position that really doesn't translate to quick success uh much more like uh running back uh, what have you so He had struggled. He didn't really meet up to expectations in the rookie year, second year, third year. He got hurt. You know, I think that kind of took him back a little bit. And then this year, as he grows into his man body, as he uh, allows himself to play with better talent on the edges, now he's within a system that not just with his maturity and his abilities, but also the weapons that they put around him you're starting to see him be able to reach that potential that and unlock all of that ability. So this has been a career year for him, period. And 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 this game to me was his main breakout game and I he's 24 years old. He's still a pup. He's still a young kid. Um I think Joe Douglas is definitely going to get this guy locked up. We have to do that to set precedent that we take care of our own when they exceed and give us the expectations that we uh, are expecting. So Quinnen right now is devastating. And if you look at other four-line, four-man D-lines, right, and their best player was a defensive tackle, what teams does that remind you of? You can look at the New York Giants with Justin Tuck. You can look at the the Buccaneers with uh, the um, Warren Sapp, right? that is a devastating if you've got four you know defensive linemen and you're getting to the quarterback and your main weapon is your defensive tackle with lockdown corners my goodness this oh. is what robert sala's vision was and yeah. now is coming to fruition 
Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I was, I mean, Quinn and Williams on Sunday was just an absolute menace, like Mike said. Sheldon Rankins, Mike, just decided to have a day and a half as well, disrupting things. Quincy Williams with 14 tackles. Guys, we got to see Sauce walk out of there with the cheese on his head, which was one of the greatest pictures after a Jet W I can ever remember, man. I was just so happy. Jet fans are on cloud nine right now. Now you can say whatever you want about the Browns game. You want to throw cold water on the fact that we had to go against Jacoby Brissett. Like I said, he played pretty good that day. Separate from that, we had the greatest comeback in the last two minutes in the last, what, 30 years. So you can't really hate on us too much. You want to throw cold water on the fact that we went against the Steelers with Trubisky? Okay, you could do that, man. I know I know what people want to do this year is pick apart our wins. Can't say nothing about the Green Bay game. Can't say nothing about this game in Green Bay versus Aaron Rodgers. Mike, I know everybody seemed happy. Another guy... Mike, you highlighted our boy Quinn in there. We were talking about some of his numbers, how great he's playing. Another guy in the trenches that has just been absolutely amazing is Elijah Vera Tucker. And he's getting a lot of love. If you guys want to look on um, ESPN.com, Rich Samini has a great article about AVT. Mike and all these different Hall of Famers talking about how versatile he is, how skilled he is. They said he's the first lineman, Mike, since 2006 to play four different positions in his first 22 games. I mean, this kid this kid is special. His first three starts to tackle 94% win rate on the pass block. So, I mean, he's not even playing tackle most of his career. So he's never played right tackle his whole life um, until this year, guys. I mean, he's been tremendous. Three starts at right guard this year. One started left guard. One started right tackle. Mike, what can we say? I mean, when we drafted him, one of the attributes we were excited about was his versatility. And people might not put too much stock into that when you're talking about the offensive line. But it seemed like that trait has come into play big time this year, especially. Can you imagine we traded Jamal Adams for him and Garrett Wilson? (laughs) Jamal Adams, we did. Incredible. Um, ABT, you could argue he's been our best player. He's enabled this offensive line to be versatile and flexible. We withstood the injuries to four tackles and still really haven't missed the, missed the beat. ABT, um, I hope we can get him into the left guard position. He can stay there. But you know what? He's playing a solid job at right tackle right now. And I know when we first put this line together and I saw the output of this line, I said, you know, this probably is going to be our line moving forward. And uh, I asked a couple of people on Twitter and other analysts, and they said, no, the moment... Dwayne Brown gets back, or not Dwayne Brown, but uh, at once uh, George Fant gets back, Fun, yeah. we, uh, we, you know, they'll, they'll change. And now the, the narrative is that may not happen because you've got Herbig. No one knew how good he was going to be. I mean, I thought yeah. that Joe Douglas did a great job picking him up off of the Eagles practice squad once he had uh, got available. And that guy is very versatile, mean. I mean, you saw in the game, one of those linemen got pissed off because uh, he took his helmet off. That was because Herbig was getting all up in his grill, man. This guy's a dog, right? Um, You know, McGovern, you got Lincoln Tomlinson playing much better. Uh, And then you got Dwayne Brown. And can I just say something about Dwayne Brown? 37 years old, he had a torn rotator cuff, it sounds like, okay? They gave him a bag. He could have just retired. He could have just been like, yep, thanks, guys. Let me get that nine mil. I'm out. Yeah. He was like, I'm not going out like this. Okay. I'm not going out like this. And this dude didn't take surgery. He was like, yo, I'm going to be back. 
told all these cats, these young cats, now think about how impressionable the sauces and the halls and all these cats, and they see this old ass Dwayne Brown cat who's been playing longer than some of these dudes have been, you know, in, since diapers, you know what I'm saying? Like, and the fact that he came back and he's just out there just tossing cats, Did the, one of the Grease Hall runs, he's like way out in front just smashing dudes. At 37, you don't need this, because he's a dog. Yeah. And that's the type of culture changer, that's the type of attitude that you need, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I agree this team is firing away, man. I mean, I'm, I'm loving it. Mike, that's such a that's such a good point. That's such a good point, dude. And Sammy, I'm gonna let you go. Just that's such a good point with Dwayne Brown, because he hasn't played all year. He's got that veteran leadership. You know he's a stud. When you see someone who could bow out, what he's done in his career already, the money he's made, if he wanted to just bow out, he could do that. Not doing that, stepping off, ready to ball, even with a little bit of an injury still, man. Shows you something, and that's a good leadership for the Jets there. What do you got, Sammy? Sammy, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say, just to touch on something you mentioned earlier, I don't know if a lot of people noticed, did you even hear the the announcers, the narrative and the way they talked about the Jets was different, right? Like I was yes. listening to them and even the way they talked about Zach who didn't play the greatest, they it wasn't like this tremendously derogatory, look at this garbage ass football team as it usually is, right? Um, it was like, wow, this team might actually look at this, what they're doing right now to this Green Bay team, right? And that's something I know I have and I'm sure most Jet fans You've been waiting for that for like years, right? To hear those announcers no longer dogging the Jets all the time, right? Finally giving us some credit for being a good, solid football team. And what I want to highlight most in terms of the coaching coaching and culture change. I know a lot of you guys remember we lose games in the fourth quarter all the time, right? So there's a stat they threw up during the game. The Jets in the first three quarters, their point differential is 29th and their turnover differential is 26th. In the fourth quarter, in order, it's second and fourth. So we went from not being able to finish games to going to a position where maybe even we're losing football games and we're finishing and winning those games now. And yeah. that, talk about a culture change. I mean, finishing a football game and winning that fourth quarter is the most important <laughs> thing you could do. Yeah, and it seems like, Sammy, that's a great point, Sammy, um, the way that it's completely different, even in the narrative was even the first couple games this year, where it seemed like, oh, man, the second half, it seems like we're still this team that's not making adjustments. The past three weeks, the past four weeks, you can't really say that about the Jets. They played great. It seemed like the scheme is great. They called some great plays. Some of these runs that Barrios doesn't get the ball very often, but it seems like when he does get it, it's at the most opportune times, and he makes a lot of it um, for Barrios. One guy that wasn't happy. Now, the Jet world's happy. Jet Nation's happy. He, all the Jet fans right now that have been waiting forever for us to be good are stoked. Everyone's got their group chats with their Jet fam. We're all loving life right now. But Elijah Moore, not on the same page. Not on the same page with all of us who seem really excited. Uh, I'm going to ask Sammy first. Not that this is too inflammatory or something we, you know, that was too crazy. But if you're going to tweet out something or should I say agree with or respond back to a tweet, that's kind of throwing shade at the Jets for not getting you the ball. When you do that in itself, you're already kind of making a statement, right? But then secondly, when you say, I'm not even going to say anything, I'll sound like I'm selfish, this and that, I'll be quiet, blah, blah, blah. It's only going to come off like you are selfish anyway, once you do that. Because it does make it seem like you're not necessarily enjoying the win. Because um, I, I get it, man. Mike has a really good point as to why maybe he did that, which I'm not going to step on Mike's toes. But... Does it, did it seem like um, a surprising timing-wise, Sammy? Did it seem surprising to you 
that Elijah Moore kind of voiced that opinion this week of all weeks. Yeah, and I think it's kind of ridiculous, right? Like, be objective about the reality in which you just played it. First, like, I know Samini, like, baited him a little bit. And you were wrong, Rich, okay? He did have one target, so in your face, it was just throwing out of bounds, okay? So that's first thing. Second thing, I mean, what are you really doing, right? If you look at the game, net passing yards, Wilson had 99 if you count sacks, right? So what did he throw for 115, 110? So who really got the ball in the air? No one. We were ground and pound and good defense to win that football game. So you go out, you tweet something like that. It's not like Garrett Wilson and Corey Davis had 10 catches each, 100 yards, and and Conklin had another six catches, and you were the only odd man out. It wasn't like we were in this full air attack mode, so I don't understand where your mind state's at in that game. You go out, you go into Lambeau Field, you play Aaron Rodgers, one of the best quarterbacks ever, and you win that football game with your defense and your run game. You should just be giving props to that instead of complaining that you got zero targets. It just makes no sense to me. Mike, you had a good point. Me and you were talking about it, maybe. I know you weren't happy with it either, Mike. I'm not going to try to say you were, but you had a good point as to maybe why he voiced his opinion in that way right after the game. Well, I think uh, this was a big year for him. Um, Supposed to be breaking out. The narrative around Elijah Moore was that he was going to be a superstar, wide receiver, um, and that this year everyone is going to see early, you know, the explosiveness and all of the potential that he's going to be able to get to. And unfortunately for him, not really even just in this game, but the the, the uh, full look at the season in total, he hasn't really met those expectations. So Elijah Moore is is definitely a baller, a gamer, someone who wants to have that uh, have the ball and be able to become that playmaker that we all expect him to. But unfortunately, that really hasn't happened, and that's probably a little bit disturbing to him and his psyche. Um, so with all of that being said, then having this game where we really only had one to no targets, um, uh, you know, we had a seasoned columnist, Rich Samini, pretty much just put him putting that on blast. And then unfortunately, you know, we responded to it. And, uh, and it and it wasn't a good look for him. And we know Robert Sala spoke to him after and uh, yeah. was able to deal with it. Now, when I look at a guy like Jamal Adams, who first came here talking all the stuff he says, right? You could tell a guy like that is a me, me, me player, a person that wants the light shined on him. Elijah Moore, since he's gotten here, has never given that vibe to me. He has never said or did anything until this moment. And I think it was a moment of immaturity. It was a moment of frustration. And I think it was a learning moment. So I'm looking at it like, let's see how this goes in the future. Because this isn't going to be the only storm. Okay. So you've seen a couple of these players. Big ticket. You know, he was mouthing off online. And it's, it's a lot of these young guys that are learning to become men. And they still don't really yet understand the implications of their actions, specifically on social media. So... I hope it's a growing moment for him. And uh, again, you know, that Zach Wilson isn't on social media. That's what I would do. I'll tell you right now, like I'm 40, 42, excuse me. I would, if I'm a professional athlete, I wouldn't be on social media, period. But that's me older knowing. So these young kids, they got their swag. They got their thing. They got their people. Some of them just live on there. So anyway, that's that's my thought. No, I agree with you, Mike. I know what you're saying, man. And, you know, on the day, Zach only completed 10 passes. Like Sammy was saying before, I mean, the leading receiver on the day had two catches. 
which is Corey Davis for 52 yards. Also two catches for Zoma for 17. Um, and then one for Conklin, I think, for 16 guys. Besides that, Garrett Wilson had eight yards. I mean, these guys did not do a lot in the air this weekend. We know it was mostly on the ground. Well, we did it on the ground. We did it on exactly. the defense. And we did it with the D. We did it on the ground, guys. 33 rushing attempts against 18 passing attempts. I mean, that's... That's pretty much a recipe for success so far the past couple weeks for the Jets. But let's get into this game breakdown by Michael Garrick. Some of these highlights. Let's run through the game real quick. Just the fun points, guys. Mike went ahead and put it all together for us. Mike, why don't you toss that on? Field. Home to the Green Bay Packers. A <laughs> historic organization that has seen the likes of Vince Lombardi and Reggie White. Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time currently leads the Packers into week six against the green and white. The pack will get the ball first. Rodgers will look to execute early and then, oh, what? Pick six. Oh, <laughs> saw it all the way. Ball will oh, hit the man. ground and the Packers would get the ball back. Rodgers would go back for a pass. Guess what? Quentin Williams yeah. sacked oh. eight yards. He fumbled the ball. The Jets were sending a message that they were not messing around here and they were coming yeah. to play today. He was Aaron Rodgers getting sacked all day, pressured by this defense, relentless. They would go for a field goal, Quinn and again, we're blocking. This was unreal. This was a coming out party for Quinn and Williams, the best we've seen from him. Then Zach Wilson would hand off to Brees Hall, who would begin to start his dominance today would be the driving force for why the New York Jets would be able to push the ball into Packers territory with authority. Third and six, Zach Wilson would get flushed out the pocket. He would look to try to make a play. He's got to be careful with this stuff like this because, yes, the arm angle was there. Easily could have been an interception. That was a, that was a wild throw to, right there, I Mike. wanted to talk about that play real quick. Okay, so a lot of analysts were hitting Zach for that. And they were saying, oh, he's he's being careless. He could have threw an interception and everything. And they would have it would have hurt the Jets for 32 yard, you know, this field goal. And I understand that narrative. But Zach, like, I don't want Zach to not be who he is. And that play that you saw, yes, that was a dangerous throw, but he also could have hit him for a touchdown. And it did take some talent in the arm angle to try to get it in there. And I think he'll be much better as he gets older. But bro, that's like Gunslingers like Brett Favre, cats like, I mean, you know, they they do stuff. They make things happen when there isn't anything to be made. And I don't want him to lose that. So I yo, know the narrative was wrong, but whatever. But I, I was like, yo, try, do your thing, man. Yo, Mike, I'm with, I love the way you said that too, because for the young quarterbacks especially, you want them to kind of actually make those mistakes because they learn from it. So you don't want to take away that creative ability like you said, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, guys, and in his last eight games, let me just say something real quick, Mike. In his last eight games, <clears throat> the last five games of last season and now the first three games of this season, which used to be half an NFL year, he just has those two picks in eight games. So I understand that maybe he was careless with that. And those two picks both came in that Pittsburgh game, Mike. Yeah. And one of those picks, like with Conklin, the kind of threw the ball right at him. So only really one interception – in those eight games that you can blame on Zach. Now, that wasn't a great pass, but I think you look at the past eight games, he's been much more efficient with the ball. We'd love to see the touchdowns go up, but 
Um, I think you you have guys going for it. You're going to see passes like that sometimes. Agreed. Jets would give it to Zerline, who'd kick the field goal, putting up 3 nothing here in the first quarter. Now, I thought all day this was ended up being the worst call made by Robert Sala. Third and one. They decide to go for it where a pass should have handed off to Brees Hall to try and get that first down. Then they end up trying to kick a 53-yarder, and Zerline would miss it. You have one. Hand the ball off to your rookie running back. So Packers would get the ball back. Mike, they also, in that situation, they also could have punted the ball and pinned them. There's a couple options there, Sammy. As a coach, in that situation, Sammy, with the way, I mean, the offensive line was doing a pretty good job of making space when it came to the run game, Sammy. I know it might just seem like a no-brainer, knee-jerk, you know, fans are going to say this after the game, but you're sitting there at third and one, Sammy, all right? I mean, the, the play call there wasn't great. Uh, what do you got to say about that? So I love the boot. I hate that they ran it the opposite direction. If you're going to run the boot, get Zach's dominant arm moving in that direction so he can either roll out or hit it naturally where he's already out that side and can sling it. Um, and also just the way he was throwing, he wasn't hitting anything underneath the whole game. So hand the ball off, get the one yard because he wasn't doing his job for those underneath routes as it is. So that boot wasn't really smart play call in my opinion. Yeah, I agreed. Tied 3-3 going in the second half. Three from the Packer, 36 and oh, John Franklin Myers continues the savage day for the New York Jet defense. <laughs> second and eight from the Jets, 28. Zach Wilson, short left to Corey Davis. Go. For 11 yards, first and 10 from the 39. Zach looking. Oh boy, rocket to Corey Davis for 41 yards, setting us up. Oh, trickery, Perios. Decoration. Uh oh. Uh oh. Get in a little bit. Aaron Rodgers would look to respond in Green Bay. Quinton Williams with a sack. Crushing. Again. Son. Career day for Quinton Williams. Great dance. Great dance, man. Uh-oh. Woo. <laughs> I, I, I was jumping around oh, here. My goodness. By the way, can we talk about how Clemens was in there with Q with the blocked field goal and then blocked his punt? I know. I know. Come on, Clemens? Uh, he, all the rookies just killing it. Yeah, yeah, two huge plays. You're right, Sam. That's a good call, dude. Yeah. Punt, the Jets are routing the Green Bay at Lambeau. Wow. You knew that Aaron Rodgers, as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, would find a way, and he hits Lazard perfect over-the-shoulder touchdown to get the Packers back on the board to try to make this competitive and not let the Jets route them at home. How would the New York Jets respond? Zach Wilson, second and nine from the New York Jet 35. He would find Uzama for 14 yards running up the left sideline, tackled and pushed out of bounds. Then Zach, second and nine from the 50, would find Tyler Conklin short middle for 16 yards. This would set the Jets mm. up. On Let's go, Brees. Let's go, Brees. Uh -oh. oh, cut to the right. Cut to the right. Get that stiff arm in there. Touchdown. Let's go. Touchdown, Jets. <laughs> the Lambo leads. Lambo leads. Cap a dominant performance. 
Packers would turn the ball over on downs. Brees Hall to the right for 12 yards. Pushing and pushing and pushing. Then again, Brees Hall would go for another 12 yards. They could not stop him. He's becoming a purple right. running back. Can I say something real quick? On that last tutty drive by Wilson, yeah. right? That was the only point in the game. And again, week after week, we see this young kid do that. He plays like trash, right? And like yeah. he's missing wide open dudes. The ball's delayed. He's got happy feet. He's what was he? He was 10 of 11 when not under pressure. He was zero and nine when under pressure against Green yeah. Bay, right? Yeah. So, yeah. and then the most important drive to respond to Green Bay's touchdown, he delivers the ball fast. He looks decisive. He's throwing rockets. The ball's out in under three seconds. Right. So again, he doesn't do much. And then we need him for that one drive. And he's like, all right, time to play. Bing, bang, boom, touchdown. He's a gamer. He's a gamer. Yeah. Right before our eyes. Then we would go to Carter to the left for an additional 25 yards, controlling the clock. Look at what this young Jets team is doing on the road in Lambeau, closing games. Oh my goodness. Brees Hall with the direct snap all the way to the one. This New York Jet team is showing something, showing all of us something we have not seen, an ability to close. They would not get the touchdown, kick the field goal, 27 to 10, on the road, giving Salah the statement win that we needed. New York Jets, baby. Michael, the New York Jets are four and two. Lau, when you showed me the standings for the AFC right now, playoffs aren't right now, guys. When you take a gander at them, Jets are in third place. Jets would be the number one wild card team right now, Michael. <laughs> I mean, nuts, man. Are we allowed to dream? First of all, Mike, tremendous job. Jets, I would have loved that touchdown at the end, boys. Oh, yeah. I would have loved to get that 31 to 10. Yeah. I didn't really, as well. wasn't a big fan of that play calling either at the end on the goal line, man. Yeah, but when I you liked, look at – go ahead, Mike. And I liked uh, how we just went through that. I like how I just stop it and we just talk through it. Uh, I thought that was really smooth. So I enjoy doing those videos and I enjoy watching those highlights with you guys. It just makes me happy. Like I'm smiling oh, now, nice. like just watching that, that Lambo leap. I f totally forgot he did that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Guys, on the day, I got some stats for you now that we ran through the game with Mike. The Packers, four for 16 on third down. That's a good job by the defense right there, guys. But the Jets, one for 11 on third down. That is mind-boggling right there. We had 13 first downs, nine of them rushing the ball. So just goes to tell you how the day went for us. Total yards for both teams, exactly 278. And Mike, we only had 80 yards with about 10 minutes left in the third quarter. So most of that damage is done at the end of the game and to a point Sammy made before. It did seem like, just like previous weeks, you might, the smoke might clear at the end of the game and you look at the stat sheet and you're like, oh, 10 for 18, Zach didn't throw a touchdown, but it didn't seem like that. It did seem like he played pretty well because the throws that he had to make in the biggest moments he made. Um, and that, that means the most, guys. Rushing attempts, as you know, guys, uh, rushing yards, I should say 179 rushing yards for the Jets. And this rushing attack for the Packers, which you know is two really good running backs, only 60 yards on the ground for them. So a tremendous day by the guys. I mean, 
Mike, I think it was kind of a weird game just because at the beginning, I'm watching how good the Jets' defense is playing, and I'm waiting for the other, you know, the other, uh, you know, the coin to turn. I'm waiting. I'm like, all right, well, they stopped him three times, four times, five times. How many times are they going to stop Aaron Rodgers? That went on for the whole day. Yes. And this defense now with Sauce Gardner, who we spoke of briefly, but let's talk about him real quick and the way that he played. Some of these balls you see him close in on. Yeah, when you watch it in real time, it's hard to see what the deal is. They'll show you a slow-mo replay, and he actually looks like he's in the Matrix. He just looks like he's operating on a different level. Than he played before this weekend. He had played five games. There's a real there's a real chance here. And Mike said this. He's the defensive uh, rookie of the year. Reese Hall is the often uh, offensive rookie of the year. Sauce could even make the Pro Bowl at this rate. And Brees could, the way they're playing, Mike. Um, Sauce isn't someone we spoke about too much yet, Mike, but the way he played, too, it seemed like every time they targeted him, I know he had a pass interference, um, but every time they targeted him, it seemed like he was there. Closed in on balls, Mike. Had the cheese head on at the end just to really endear himself to the New York fans. Mike, it does seem like we have a star here in the making in Sauce Gardner. Yeah, man, and not even just his play on the field. It's off the field, his swag. I mean... I don't mean to keep bringing up Jamal Adams, but you know he would have to force his try to force his his way on to how ill he was and how he was prez mal and what. Yo, like Sauce doesn't care. Like yo, you were in Lambeau Field, like that is like legendary ground, and you literally walked around with a cheese head. Like yeah, man, it was good. And it, it, because it, to him, it's innocence. Like he doesn't. He just is you know what i'm saying some cat doing cheese he just he's just having fun he's just a kid you know what i'm saying and i love that like his his personality is authentic it's it's pure he's not trying to do things he just is he's sauce right and that's it and i love that and i'm i'm blown away with how good this kid is because honestly if you look at the numbers he's a top 10 corner you could even argue he's top five right now. I mean, I don't think he's top five. Like, if you were to tell me to rank cornerbacks, it's just too early for me to do that. But his play on the field, I mean, you don't see rookies do this. Revis was not this good as a rookie. Ask him. No. He, he, he wasn't. wasn't. Okay? He now that second year and then the third year, he was... Oh. <laughs> I mean, now, <laughs> he became one of the, you know, the greatest of all time. But... Uh, sauce. I mean, this this draft class has been just otherworldly, and I'm going to tell you guys right now. I think that um, Joe Douglas should be up for executive of the year with what he's done. He hit on all these picks. I mean, they are contributors in every game. Brees Hall is going to be up for offensive rookie of the year. He is right now, fantasy wise, top five running back. Who who's yeah. playing better than Brees Hall right now? You can look at Quinnen Williams. What defensive tackle is better than Quinnen Williams right now? Aaron Donald is not putting up Quinnen Williams numbers right now. He's the best DT in the league today. I mean, just from output on the field, right? Like, <laughs> I'm not saying he's better than Aaron Donald. I'm saying that yeah. so far, he's playing the best, right? Um, Sauce and DJ Reed. I mean, it's incredible, man. I, I'm just so thrilled to see what I'm seeing from this young team. Yeah, Sammy, what do you think, uh, not just about Sauce, but of the way these rookies 
have made such an impact so fast. You mentioned Michael, uh, you mentioned Clemens, Sammy, which was someone I had in my notes that I forgot to made a bunch of big plays. It seemed like I know we whiffed on the 2020 draft, but 21 and the 22 draft, Sammy, have just been absolute home runs. Joe Douglas didn't miss. He didn't miss. I mean, you got Clemens in what, the fifth, sixth round, and this dude just blocked a field goal and a punt for you. Besides making all the other plays he made on defense, people sleep on Michael Carter and that whole last drive when Brees was a little gassed out after getting two straight first downs for 12 yard carries in a row. And Michael Carter then breaks one for 30, then breaks another for another 10, then gets us down to the one yard line with some tough runs. I don't know if we, we didn't really see those in the highlights, but he was hurtling over down defenders and offensive linemen just to get an extra yard or two, right? So that one, two punch, um, people always seem to forget because Bruce Hall's just having such a year so far. Um, but Michael Carter is playing really good football, really sound football, and he's making the most of his opportunities. I think once you get more and more involved in the passing offense, and once we see Zach Wilson start to hit those checkdowns, a lot of those guys, I think their roles and their productivity will expand. But defensively, I couldn't be more excited of the guys that they have out on that field. I mean, with a name like Sauce, you're like praying and hoping that he plays up to it, right? And since day one, he has. He hasn't yeah. disappointed in at the least. Um, Absolutely. And, and between uh, Quincy and CJ in that middle, um, which I don't think is reported on enough, um, especially CJ Mosley. I'm talking about not us because we talk about him all the time, but I'm talking about the mainstream guys out there. He's out there having a season, and there is not a single shred of news about that man and he is all over the football field that's true man cj mosey hasn't playing great um guys i don't know man there's so many high there's so many good moments coming out of the game this weekend so many of them have to do with a lot of the young players some of the defensive stats where we move on to the pats here you know jfm mike he got a sack two qb hits for him one sack for rankins he also had another quarterback hit 11 tackles for mosley 14 tackles for Quincy Williams, who deserves a whole lot of love as well. Um, then with the rushing stats, like we said, 20 carries for 116 for Brees Hall. 41 yards for Michael Carter. Only has six carries. So getting the job done in the trenches. The Jets are 4-2. and two, And now we move on to Denver. Oh, uh, And now we move on to Denver. A game that I think before the season started, people will look at the schedule. <laughs> look at the talent they have on the squadron. Look at the quarterback they brought in. Look at that defense, which is still playing great. That defense is that defense is beast mode right now. Um, I think most people would mark this off as an L for the Jets before the season started. Tables have turned, though. Heading into this weekend, Michael. The Denver Broncos, New York Jets, Russell Wilson. Mike, I heard today he might play. I saw him say some cornball statement like he has Wolverine he's blood so and he's going to bounce he's so back. Corn. Or... He's the corn, the horniest of humans. I... The yeah. Kevin Durant of football, he's, dude. He's, oh, my God. Yeah, he's just – he's a cornball, dude. This is no, I mean, that's that's pretty unanimous. Uh, unanimous, I should say. I think most people are in agreement with that. Teammates, fans, media. But, yeah, he won a Super Bowl. Um, I think he's been playing like trash this season. And we'll I mean, even last that. season, Keith. Go back to last season. Look at his numbers for real. I think, honestly, Keith, I think Seattle knew. I think they did. And they you think like, so? Oh, yeah. I think because you don't let it go on a franchise boy back like that. I think they knew sure. he was kind of got with Sierra and, you know, got a little happy, a little plump. 
uh, (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, guys. He's he has his worst quarterback rating of his whole career, the lowest completion percentage. He's rushing for 16 yards a game, by far the least amount. Throwing for his least amount per completion. Pretty much across the board here when you look at Russell Wilson. It's been a disaster. <laughs> I mean, that's the only it's way to say disaster. it. A disaster yeah. to the point where, and I'll be honest with you, Keith, when they said that he had a hurt hamstring and that we may be facing Rippin, I was kind of like, oh, I do have PTSD from facing Rippin a couple of years back when he scraped us. Remember that? I know. I, so I was kind of like, I really want Russell <laughs> instead of having Rippin, you know? Because that, that offense is good, you know what I'm saying? So I kind of want to, uh, you know, maybe that's a terrible thing to say, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I know that, like I was saying, before this season, I think people thought we'd take an L going in there. Mike, I think things have changed, though. I think the way our defense is playing, um, Denver's had a problem moving the ball and scoring points on any team. Russell Wilson on the season, guys, only five touchdowns, and he's rushed for one touchdown. I know in the running game, they've had some injuries there. They're trying to fill in, man. The running game hasn't been able to get going either. So they've been pretty much a disaster when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball, though, Tons of ballers, Mike. One of the better defenses in the league. Um, I think this game is going to be a defensive battle. Um, I think we've seen with the way our team has been playing, what we like to do is run the ball. Denver's only given up, I think, about 100 yards rushing against them a game. So um, something's going to have to give in this game. We might have to put the ball in the air a little more than we like. But whether Russell Wilson's out there or not, Mike, they just haven't been scoring points, the the Broncos. And our defense seems like they're kind of coming into their own. To the point that in fantasy football, the Jets are a big-time scoop for streamers who stream their defenses. The Jets, look all over the internet. The Jets, people are saying, pick them up. Because they're about to do work this weekend here on uh, Russell Wilson and or maybe Rippin' Mike. And I think even if his, even if he's in there, um, I think we should be good. I mean, I like, I like the sauce against Cortland Sutton matchup. They don't really have a tight end, Mike. The running backs have been in, uh, in a tough situation. Their offensive line is okay. Um, what do you think, Sammy, this weekend coming into this game versus the Broncos? Russell Wilson might be in the air. He might not. We'll see how it shakes out. But, I mean, you, you picked the Jets mostly every game this whole season, Sammy. You've had faith. I'm going to go out on a limb and think that you think the Jets are going to go ahead and slap the Broncos around this weekend. Yeah, and I do. And I'll give you an actual reason this week why, besides my gut instinct that we're taking a W. Um, I think we hit them at a perfect time. I think they're on a downturn. Uh, Melvin Gordon didn't play at all. Right. Unfortunately, we've had the pleasure of watching Seattle suck on national television for the past three weeks and score under 12 points for three weeks in a row on Thursday or Monday. It doesn't matter who wants to watch some bad football. Everybody. Right. Uh, but we caught them at a <laughs> we caught them at a perfect time where that offensive line looks terrible to me. And I think that's why Wilson is struggling so much. He's been blessed with such a good offensive line and strong run game for so many years, and he doesn't have that, and he's getting killed back there, right? And we hit them at a perfect time because the defensive line is hitting their stride. So our defensive line's playing really well. Their offensive line's playing really poorly. So I think we get after the quarterback a lot, no matter who's back there. And I think, like you said, I think to win this football game, we're going to have to rely on Zach a little bit more than we have because that front seven for Denver is really good and strong up front. So with the kind of holes that we have, maybe we didn't play the best defensive lines uh, so far. Um, We're going to see one of the better ones we've seen. 
Um, so I think Zach getting that ball out quickly, those underneath routes, and getting that pressure to alleviate and open the run game might be the way they attack this team this week instead of doing the opposite and going run to open pass. Yeah, what do you think, Mike, coming into this battle, man? This defense Denver has is pretty formidable. They're giving up the fourth least amount of points in the league, number three in the league overall, only about 180 passing yards on them a week too, Mike. So they're pretty well-rounded, but Russell Wilson's playing like garbage. So um, this could be a defensive battle. How do you think it's going to shake out, Mike? Definitely think it's going to be a defensive battle, low-scoring game. This game is going to teach me a whole lot about our young quarterback. Uh, So far, I would say the thing I'm most disappointed in or what I have most questions around is uh, Zach Wilson currently. Um, I'm happy that he's maintaining and managing, but he has 570-something total yards, which is about 190 a game. Um, he's got one touchdown, two interceptions, and I know he's got the receiving and the rushing touchdown understood. Last season, Zach got destroyed in Denver and got destroyed in New England. It's funny how he's going to be playing Denver and New England back-to-back once again. So I feel like this is going to be a base mark where we'll be able to see has he grown because that Vic Fangio defense stayed even though Nathaniel Hackett is there. And Nathaniel Hackett may be the worst coach I've ever seen. And I'm talking over Adam Gase and others. I mean, he is pathetic. Okay. But that defense is still roaring, like Pete was saying. Um, they have elite cornerbacks, they have an elite defensive line. Okay. Zach Wilson is, I believe, is going to struggle. I think in the next three games, Zach has a difficult task in front of him. He's got Denver, he's got the uh, Patriots, and then he's got the Bills. Bills are number two in defense. Ground foes are number three in defense. And and the Patriots are 15, but we all know what Belichick does. So I think that Zach is going to... He struggled against Green Bay because they were hiding their coverages. They went dime and then didn't rush anybody, drop DBs back, and he was holding the ball. And by the way, guys, he's time from release to, to, you know, snap to release is over three seconds, and that is last in the National Football League. He's holding the ball again. We can win with this formula, with running the ball, good defense, but we're not going to go any far that far if Zach isn't able to execute. So he really needs to show us something in this game. And part of that is also LaFleur calling the right plays for Zach. I have seen some really great half-time adjustments so that coming out in the second half, Zach is actually running the offense better. That's a testament to LaFleur being able to adjust. But I also think that some of the weapons that we have, we should switch it up. Like, we were just talking about Elijah Moore. They use Elijah Moore on the outside. I don't know why. He's a slot receiver. His strongest suit is his quick ability to change direction that's what he was drafted as why they have him on the outside he's not a tall cat he doesn't have superman jumping ability like wilson put him in the slot put garrett wilson on the outside which is what he should be and just play to this guy you know what i'm saying like that those are some of the adjustments i really hope that LaFleur and this coaching staff make. They've already made the adjustments, so I'm not going to say they, they may not do it, but, you know, switch it up like that, you know, and, and make sure that, you know, Zach can go out there and and, and kind of be successful. And I know they're le- limiting the offense back, but I really think against this defense, he's going to struggle. 
And I know I got it wrong last week. That's the first time I got a pick wrong. And I'm going to say that we're going to take an L this week too. Um, I want to say we're going to win because we should, but I think it's a trap game. I think the Jets are feeling themselves. Um, I think they're going to go in there and they're going to try to smack them. But I think that that defense is going to pretty much mimic our defense and Russell Wilson will um, figure out a way to uh, to get to get the W. I, I think it's going to be a trap game. We'll lose a close one, maybe like nine to seven or something like that. All right. Super low scoring, you think, Mike, out there in mile high. Um, you know, last year, Mike, this was a disaster game for Zach. Um, looking here at the stats, 19 for 35, two interceptions. And that was coming off that four interception game versus the Pats, which Mike mentioned. So um, I think he had nine interceptions last year or something like that. No, I think he had 11 interceptions, but six of them right there in that two-game span, like Mike was mentioning. So, I mean, that my, maybe that Zach has that in his head. Maybe he doesn't, but this is a good litmus test a good direct comparison from the talent that he now has around him. Even with this patchwork situation, Mike, it seemed like the offensive line kind of got into a groove last week, which maybe is just a, a byproduct of them finally having a little bit of continuity and getting a chance to play with each other. Um, you look at this week, they're going up against Bradley Chubb. They have Randy Gregory. I mean, this is going to be a test. I think Sammy said that too. This defensive line's pretty beast. Sertain out there is really good. I think the way we beat this team is over the middle of the field, Mike. I think trying to throw the ball out wide on these corners might not be the best way to go about it. So maybe you see Conklin, and I would love to see Elijah Moore get used more in the slot because it does seem like that maybe is naturally a better fit for him, even though he's ridiculously athletic and thinks he can do everything. Um, I'd love to have Garrett Wilson out wide, Corey Davis out wide, and then Moore right in that slot. That makes a lot of sense to me, Mike. Man, that's it. Yeah, I mean, it seems like that would be difficult for teams to shut that down. I know, I think Latavius Murray is going to be the running back maybe again this week. I don't know if Gordon's back. Broncos are coming off two back-to-back overtime losses. Very strange scenario in that Colt game. Tough one last week, too, guys. I think they're taking their third loss in a row versus the Jets. It's not making it to OT, though. I'm talking about during regulation. We're going to put the stamp on them. Last week, found something there in Green Bay. This team at this moment right now with Russell Wilson is not as good as the Green Bay Packers. Okay? They don't have a home field advantage like the Packers do either, guys. I think we're going to go in and play a similar game. Now, the defense is not for nothing. The Packers have a great defense, too. They maybe aren't showing it, though, this year in the result as much as the Broncos do. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I see maybe, like, four field goals from Zerline, maybe a couple touchdowns from Zerline, too. Um, maybe a 24, maybe 24-17, 24-14. But I do think we come out of there with a W. And the Jets are five and two heading into that home game versus the Pats, boys. Five and two heading into that home game versus the Pats. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> and you understand how hyped everybody will be oh, going into that I don't game. Want to think about it. That's why I can't think about it. I cannot. That's why I won't pick them to win because I can't imagine. Well, Mike, because I, I might have to just come home. Like I like I can't. I can't. Five. I don't even want to think about it. The I team loves playing away too, man. Love playing away. Yeah, three wins already on the road this year. The only AFC team that doesn't have a road loss. Six games in. I mean, there's so many things after last week that were Jet fans are not used to seeing. One of them, and I'm sorry, guys, I don't have it in front of me. I did write it down, but I don't know where the hell I put it. But it was all the different outlets and their power rankings for the squad. Now, what are power rankings, guys? It's just, you know, it's not objective. It's just a subjective measurement. Someone's opinion of the teams. I get it. But you don't see the Jets eighth and ninth very often. 
right in that range, guys. For my eyeballs to see it, it made me happy. I know it made Jet fans happy. I don't care how good the Giants are doing. I don't care about the G-Men. The G-Men are at plus 14 this year, I think, and they have five wins. So they're, they're scraping by. And Saquon Barkley, Mike, and Saquon is for real this year. That's the whole squad right now for the G-Men. I mean, I'm Wookiee's not here to defend himself. Now, we didn't get into the Wookiee. Now, Wookiee said he wasn't feeling well, this and that. The Yankees are playing right now, I think, right? Am I wrong? Are the Yankees playing right now? Now, Sammy Manda, we know why the Wookiee, we know why the Wookiee's not here. He's watching the playoff game. He feels fine. Well, I'll go to his house right now and check his temperature. I bet you he's, he's spot on. And Wookiee's temperature, like a dog, is about 102, about 102 and a half. Um, but I bet you he's fine. We're going to let you slide, Wookiee. Don't worry about it. Well, he won't listen to this anyways, though. We can say whatever we want about the Wookiee guys. But you guys, tremendous job this week. Mike, on the game review, as always, you killed it. Our, our team's sitting here at 4-2 and two with a very good – even though Mike didn't pick the Jets to win, I know he knows – we have a very good chance of taking this W this weekend. And he just doesn't want to ruin it. Mike doesn't want to believe too hard because if he does, he's going to start getting nuts on this show. <laughs> if the Jets go 5-2, and 6-2, and two, Mike's going to be a maniac when we do the show. You understand that, guys? He's just trying to temper himself because he is like a volcano right now ready to explode all over this world. If the Jets are good, the Jets are successful. You want to talk about somebody keeping receipts? Mike has been keeping receipts long before Robert Sala. The part that gets me is that if they somehow win this week and then they go to Patriots and they beat the Patriots, do you realize that we go into that Buffalo game for the division? Mm, that's a good point. That is a good point. I don't even want to fucking <sighs> think about that. Because I, I will have to, like... Like I told the Jet fans, Mike, look, I was like, man, take it one week at a time, but you have to allow yourself to dream. You have to allow yourself to dream, Michael. If you're six and two, if you're six and two, right, and you played eight games and you got nine left and you're looking at the bills out there a couple times, I get it. But you're like, wow, out of those nine games left, do the Jets have three or four wins in them to get to 10 wins? Probably. Yeah, I mean, they finished the season you know, against the Lions and the Jaguars as no, well. No, so. they finished the season against Geno. Can you imagine going into Seattle to face Geno to make yeah. the playoffs? Yeah, dude. Oh, that would be... We'd have to call IK and Polly. The only thing that would be better is if... <laughs> that's Mike, bring them on, sign them on the practice squad and just bring them up for one week to do the handshake. <laughs> just, just for intimidation factor. Um, Mike, the only thing that would be better is if Jamal Adams was playing. I know, I know. I, I would oh, love, man, because you know what oh, we're, we're dreaming, right? I'd love to see Jamal trying to make a hit on Brees in the hole <laughs> to see how that goes. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't know how that hasn't been working out for anyone yet this year. But hey, look, man, I don't really have no more hate for Jamal Adams. That's kind of like a slam dunk for the Jets at this point. How that trade worked out and his career is just. You know, and so far as his production has not been great. Mike, when he's played for them, they stink. And when he's not playing, Gino's out there slinging. And somehow they're figuring out ways to win. So um, just, just mental note that one when you talk about being depressed because you're losing. But, Michael, that's all we got for this week. I know you got it scrolling on the bottom there. But if anyone does want to get at us or support us in any way, shape, or form, how could they do that? Guys, we're on Facebook at AEBG.JustRadio. We're on Twitter at AEBG underscore NYJ podcast and on Instagram at Jet.AEBG. 
You heard the man on behalf of the biggest Jeff fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris, and on behalf of the number one high school coach in the nation today, Samuel Hoyer. My name's Keith Farrell. Catch you next week, everybody. Peace out.